If you are new, my name is Norbert. I'm the pastor of Point of Great Church, and I would like to welcome you to our 30 years of celebrating God's faithfulness in our lives. Can we give God a praise? All right. I want to introduce our speaker today. Our speaker uh, was introduced to the faith uh, in an early age. He's uh, now pastor of Crossover Christian Fellowship in Port Charlotte. Um, when the church was started in 2007, he was there. He became officially the pastor of the church in 2018, and he was ordained in 2021. He's coming here with his wife. Gigi, can you please stand so we can recognize you? All right. This is a special occasion, so we in invited a special guest to inspire us in our 30 years of anniversary celebration. Pastor Joe, let's give a PGC warm welcome to Pastor Joe Malvas. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Norbert. Thank you, Point of Grace Church, for inviting us. We're so blessed to be here with you. It's an honor to celebrate. And uh, from our church in Port Charlotte, we send you greetings and congratulations. Congratulations for 30 years of God's faithfulness in your life. So it's, it's truly a pleasure to be here with you and celebrate God's goodness. If I may share some fun facts about 30 years in Scripture. If you recall in Genesis, you go to Genesis, um, the story of Joseph. Joseph became Prince of Egypt. Number two, his prime minister, second in, in command to Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41, after 30 years. And that was after 13 years of languishing in a dungeon. And God finally broke through for him in 30 years, brought him up from the prison to the palace in one day after 30 years. Then we have. David, in 2 Samuel, David began to reign as king of Israel at the good age of 30 years too. And that was after he was anointed at a very young age and then chased around the wilderness by King Saul. 30 years. And guess who is the greatest of the 30 years in the New Testament? Jesus Christ started his ministry, the greatest ministry we'll ever see, not only because of what he accomplished here, but because of opening the gates of heaven for all of us. 30 years, in three years, he accomplished more than anything else we could ever imagine. That is okay. I was, I was about to sing, but I can't sing. But not only is our milestone of 30 years very important, we would see the significance of the milestones in your life as a church. Because we celebrate milestones. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate graduations. And God has showed us in His creation when he created time, 
that milestones are very important. They are markers of our and measures of our grace and our growth, not only physically, but spiritually. In addition, Jesus Christ, the God himself, instituted feasts in the Old Testament. He also gave us memorials so that we can remember his goodness in our lives. He did that for us so we can remember his mighty acts as you are remembering his mighty acts today. So milestones are like mile markers, not only telling us where you have been, where we have been, where we are right now, but also where we are headed. So my prayer for you, church, is that you know where you're headed after all the faithfulness that God has been with you and brought you to this point. You know, in Joshua chapter 3 and 4, he commanded Joshua after they crossed the Jordan River on their way to the promised land. God commanded Joshua to place memorial stones. And we see the reason why he told Joshua to place those memorial stones in verse 22. Let me read it to you. Joshua chapter 4, verse 20, 22 to 24. Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. You know, as I look around here, I'm so amazed to see so many young people here. And that is a wonderful thing. And for those of us who are ahead of you chronologically, we want to show you how faithful God is as you look upon our lives and the testimonies God has brought us through. So Israel crossed over this Jordan and dry land for the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan before you until you had crossed over. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we crossed over. And here's the reason why, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Do you see the mighty hand of the Lord today in your midst? Do you want to know and see and fear the Lord forever for the rest of your lives? So that is why he gave us milestones and memorials. So I encourage you this morning to make this day a memorial of where God has brought you. From where you are up to this point in time. Remember all the blessings. Remember all the disciplines he's, he's let you go through. And all the challenges you have been through in your walk of faith. Remember how good he is. How wise God is in all his ways. Sometimes we don't understand things when they happen. But when you look back and see everything unfold, you'll see how wise God is. I urge you to always remember this day and to be strengthened by his faithfulness so you may also encourage all those coming after you into this place and that they would see the hand of God in your lives and then walk with God also. But this morning, I also want to encourage you to press on. And that is where my verse is, my main topic. I want you to move forward in the faith. So let us read Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 24. And if you don't mind, can I please ask everybody to stand as I read God's word in honor and reverence to him? 
In Philippians chapter 3, it says in verse 12, Not that I have already attained, this is Paul speaking, or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus had also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press on to the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness in the lives of this congregation, your people in this church, point of grace, Lord. The amazing power, the amazing protection, the amazing blessings, Lord, that you have brought upon them. And we pray, Lord, that as we reflect upon you, we would be encouraged to press on and to move forward because we haven't seen anything yet. This is our prayer. This is the desire of our hearts. In Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Church, please be seated. Notice, as we were reading in verse 12, Paul is saying that he has not yet attained neither is he perfected. This is an amazing attitude for somebody who has accomplished a lot. And when we look at his life outside of Jesus Christ, nobody has come close to what he has accomplished. At least we can see from where we are standing right now. And yet, Paul is saying, I have not arrived yet. I haven't attained yet. So this is what we are learning from him and what we can see that the first essential to pressing on, first essential for us to move forward or point of grace to continue moving forward in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first essential is having a sense that your spiritual life is still a work in progress. Do you believe that you have arrived or are you in a work of progress? Work in progress, right? Having that sense that God is still working. So I want to give you an example, an illustration. It's right there. There's several high-rise buildings here in this side of Florida. Not in our side. All right, so I'm, a, I'm amazed every time I come here. But what if one of those projects ceases operations? What happens? The community is left wondering if there are legal roadblocks or if they just ran out of funds to complete the operations. The unfinished project becomes an eyesore in the community, right? You like to see all those buildings. Which one do you like? A completed building or something that's left out there unfinished? So the unfinished project becomes an eyesore in the community, much like a church that has stopped pressing forward becomes an eyesore to the community spiritually. Nobody's attracted to church as usual. On the other hand, a building project progressing towards completion 
it generates the excitement to the community and to its future residents. A church that is pressing on is a testament to God's faithfulness and to his people having faith that he is able to complete that which he has begun in you. That is your testimony today. When you press on, the community will see that God is faithful and he is completing the work that he began in you. Paul, who had achieved so much in Christ, had this mindset in life that he is still a work in progress. And he also consistently prays and reminds the church, he reminds us in his epistles to have that same mindset. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 tells us, being confident of this very thing, that he who had began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He not only mentioned it here in Philippians, he mentioned it in Thessalonians when he was writing to the Thessalonian church. He said, and may the Lord make you increase and abound. See those two words? Increase means increase. Abounds means it overflows. You you shouldn't settle for anything less. You should settle for increase and abounding and overflowing in love for one another. And then he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, finally then, brethren, he's, he's still speaking to them. We urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. See that Filipino, um, that Filipino expression we have, it came from St. Paul. More pa, right? Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So brothers and sisters, in point of grace, you have accomplished a lot. You have accomplished much through the grace of Jesus Christ. But you know what? The work is still unfinished. There is more to accomplish. We need to press on. Abounding love and unity more and more. And may God's love overflow to your community so that the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ would spread to all the earth. That was the call of discipleship. That was the great commission given to us. All the earth. So the next thing we notice is that Paul has a sense of purpose. All right? It's not only that He is still a work in progress, but he is telling us, I have a sense of purpose. You know, I find it interesting that secular studies today, all the research today have discovered that a key quality across successful people is what we call grit. Not grits, but grit. All right? And it is the ability to pursue one's own purpose with passion despite all the pressures. You are unshaken. You continue on despite all the roadblocks. 
And then the research says, but you first need to discover your purpose in order to develop that passion, that purpose will take you there. And that's what they call grit. But it's been here in scriptures. Paul has told us 2,000 years ago, all things that pertain to life and godliness, they're all here. So what was Paul's purpose? And that should be our purpose as a church. His purpose, he goes back, if you open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 11, go back verse 7 to 11, he tells us, let me just read it for you here, because it's amazing. Here's what he says. But what things were gained to me, this I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the, unri- the righteousness which is from God by faith. In verse 10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So what is Paul telling us? What is his purpose? Three things he's telling us. One is to gain the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, the day you came to know Jesus Christ, when you put your faith and trust in him, it was just the beginning. And if you are a guest here and this is your first time hearing a message of the gospel, I encourage you to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ because that is where it begins. But God desires for us to experience him more each day, more and more each day. So that just like Paul, you can say, he is far superior to all my earthly pursuits, to all the earthly pleasures that are out there. Can you say that in your life? That God is far superior to everything that the world has to offer? Amen. That was his goal, to gain the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But he had a second point there he wanted to explain to us. He said, to be found in him. You know, God clothed us in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He gave us the righteousness of Christ in our life. Let's live like we have it. Let's live according to godliness. Let's stop living in worldliness. Start living according to how God wants us to live. You have been given a new identity, and that is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If people look at our lives today, can he say, that's a Christian right there. That's a Christian right there. That's a Christian right there. That's a follower of Jesus Christ. That life is different. Can we say that? Can people identify us with him? That is the goal of Paul. He wanted to be identified in Jesus Christ, to be found in him. 
And then finally, he tells us to experience the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. You know how we experience the power of his resurrection? It begins with obedience. We will never experience the power of resurrection until we learn to obey him. And it comes, obedience comes with knowing his word. But then when you know his word and meditate on it day and night, you have to come to a point where you surrender to God's will. God's word will reveal his will. Your place, your responsibility in it is to, is to surrender to that will of God. And then Paul tells us the fellowship of his suffering. He wants to know the fellowship of God's suffering, the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when you come to think of it, modern culture, today's world knows very little about this, the word called suffering, because modern culture is about convenience and the pursuit of happiness. I'm going to do my thing as long as it brings me happiness. What? Is it there that's going to bring me happiness? Then I'm going to will, be willing to pursue it. I'm going to be willing to do the hard work as long as in the end, I benefit and gain from it. I'm happy. I have money. I have pleasure. That's why we have a hard time understanding the, um, the fellowship of his suffering. Let me illustrate this a little bit for you. In our world today, divorce is easy. Cohabitation is the norm. We call it in my generation, living together. Unmarried couples living together. It's so easy. We don't want to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ, our testimony. What is convenient? Hopefully that's not marked on our churches and the people of God. Another way that happens too, especially among churches, is that people leave church in the first sign of difficulty. I don't like what the pastor said. Let me go to the other church. I don't like brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Let me try that other church over there. You know what? We need to fight for the unity of our faith. The fellowship of his suffering. See, when we suffer well in the body of Christ, the bond of fellowship grows stronger. Our love for one another grows deeper and our faith is raised to the next level. Here, if I may illustrate this for you. How many of you have been married 10 to 20 years? Some of you are too young too. <laughs> You've been married 10 to 20 years. I see a couple of hands. How about over 20 years? Not... Look, look, at those, look at those hands raised. Okay. You, you need to observe those lives. 
Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have a question for those of you who are married over 20 years. What was your experience? What happens when you suffer well together? You endure your spouse. All right. You endure one another. You endure the hardships. I'm just kidding. You endure hardships together. You mutually submit to one another. And you resolve those issues according to God's way. What happens? Those of you who are married for very long. Did the bonds of your marriage grow stronger? Do you love your spouse more after you went through the storm and went through the storms through God's grace? Didn't your marriage grow stronger, right, Pastor Kim? I see him over there. <laughs> that's what happens. You know, that's what happens when we suffer well together. Our marriage grows stronger. We love our spouse more. You know, that's the same way with our churches. When you stick it out with your church, you fight for the unity of your faith. The bonds of fellowship grow stronger. That is the fellowship of his suffering. See, that's why Paul, Timothy, Silas, John Mark, the churches in the New Testament, that's why their bond was so strong because they suffered well together in the faith. They didn't abandon each other. They stuck it out with each other. And by God's grace, it creates an unbreakable bond in the fellowship of the faith. See, the more you suffer well, especially in your marriages, in your church, it creates that bond of faith that will be unbreakable. How, how many of you believe that when you stick it out with your church, you go closer to your brother and sister because you stuck it out with the Lord? See, if you church hop, You'll never develop that bun. You're always starting. You're always resetting. And the baggages and the hurts and the pain will go from one church to the next. But if you stick it out in the faith, you suffer well with each other. Your buns go strong. That is what Paul is telling us. I want to experience the fellowship of his suffering. That's why the New Testament church was so strong. That's why his relationship with T Timothy, Silas, was so strong. We need to suffer well for Jesus Christ. See, you only have one purpose, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each time our church loses focus on it, we lose focus on everything. We have to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And we need to know that we never arrive at that state or that perfection, this side of eternity. This is what Paul is saying, chapter 3 of Philippians. He is reaching forward to which lies ahead of him. He's passionate about it. He's totally focused on it. 
in getting to that ultimate destination. Paul tells us in order to press forward, we need to forget those things that are behind us. He's not telling you, Point of Grace Church, forget, forget your past. What he's telling you is that all the success in the past, all the failures of the past should not become a drag to your future. Don't let success or failures stop you from moving forward. You know, to rest on your laurels is to slide down into complacency and then eventually apathy if you start resting on your laurels. Rather, make God's faithfulness in the past your motivation to pursue what is ahead of you because there's so much more God has in store for all of you. Paul said, reaching forward, let's press on. Keep going. Those are intense words. That's what athletes do in a race. You never see athletes just, you know, juggling, just skipping, jogging into the finish line. They are straining. They're pushing their bodies ahead. All their muscles are straining to get them there or first place. That is the intensity of Paul's word here, reaching forward and pressing on. They strain towards the finish line. That is how we should be about God's call in our lives. So point of grace, church, are you willing to strain ahead to give more by God's grace because he will empower you, he will refresh you, that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has had laid hold of me. Be passionate about it. Press on, point of grace. Press on. And I want to close this sermon with the perspective of Paul. You'll see it in all his letters. Paul consistently weaves these two things in his letters. And I will be remiss not to tell you about it. But before I say what these two things are, I want to say thank you again, Point of Grace Church, for inviting me here and bringing God's word. It's been an honor. So these are the two things that Paul always weaves into his sermons, all right, into his letters. First is the internal perspective. We already alluded to it in this message here, but I want to underscore it for you. It's so important to have the eternal perspective. The second thing that Paul always weaves into his letters are the relational aspect. Okay, so eternal, relational. Those are two things that he always includes in his messages. I believe the eternal perspective is more relevant today than it was yesterday. Not only because of where our world is headed, but more so Christian life is not worth pursuing without the promise of a glorious eternity with Jesus Christ. You know what you're doing here? It's not going to be worth it without an eternal perspective. You'll easily grow tired. You'll easily say, you know what? I should have just put my retirement money somewhere else. But because of an eternal perspective, you can say, this is worth it. All the hard work, 
all the sufferings you're going through, it's going to be worth it in the end. Because of the glory that we will receive when we see our Savior face to face. God has an upward call and price when you finish the race set before you. We live in God's presence now, but we live in light of the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how it is in our lives as Christians. Be aware that you are living in God's presence right now, but also be aware that the Savior is coming. Live in the light of His coming. Philippians chapter 3, Paul tells us, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That is the eternal perspective. But even as rich as Paul is in his doctrine and theology. Paul was also a very relational person. You know, Paul is one of the friendliest people you ever find on earth. If you are alive or he was alive today. Listen to what he says to the Philippian church in chapter 1 verse 8 of Philippians. For God is my witness. How greatly I longed for you with the affection of Jesus Christ. He affectionately longed for them because he did not only want to share the gospel with them. He told the churches that he wanted to pour out his life for them. That was Paul. They were dear to him. That was the heart of a pastor. Paul telling the churches, I not only want to share the gospel, the word of God with you. I want to pour out my life for you. You know, from the heart of a pastor, I'm going to speak from the heart of the pastor, from the heart of your pastor. You are worth everything. You know, someday when the Lord comes, he's going to go to these pastors over here. He's going to ask them, what did you do? when I called you to become a pastor? What was your accomplishment? I'm just saying it in my own words. They're not going to say building programs. They're not going to say projects, things like that. You know what the pastors are going to say? My joy and my crown my joy and my crown over there. You know that life that changed because you have given me the grace, the opportunity to share with that life and now it has changed by the working the Holy Spirit. My joy and my crown is going to look at each one of you who are here tonight. That's what's going to be in the heart of your pastor and his mind. When he goes to heaven and God asks him, what have you accomplished for me? He's going to start pointing to each one of you. And we have all eternity for him to take you all one person at a time. My joy and my crown. My joy and my crown. That's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1. He tells the Philippian church, You are my joy and my crown, so stand fast. 
because someday we're going to meet the Lord. And even if you're not a pastor tonight or this morning, hopefully you are discipling somebody. Prayerfully, you are reaching out to somebody so that when we all get to heaven and we face Jesus Christ, our Savior, you can say, that's my joy and my crown there, Lord. That's my joy and my crown. That's why this work, this work is so important. The programs, the buildings, they're all good, but they need us. God needs us to get to the point where we are reaching out to people because that's what Jesus Christ came to earth. He died for us. Brothers and sisters, in point of grace, this is the purpose that God has given to us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. May you continue to press on. May you continue to press on and never waver in the faith so that someday when we get to heaven, we're going to be celebrating with you as you tell the Lord and point to people that God has given to you, my joy and my crown. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have given us this opportunity to worship you, to give praise and glory to your heavenly name, to give us this privilege to reach out to souls, to reach out to individuals, to share the gospel to all the world, to our communities, to our families. So that someday, Lord, when we celebrate the glory that is in Christ Jesus, we can say to each other, we're here because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that brother and sister is my joy and my crown in the work of the ministry that you have given to me. So, oh God, we praise you again. In Jesus' name, our precious Savior. Amen. Thank you.